Welcome, sports fans. You have entered the man cave of the one and only Fan Man, broadcasting from his lazy boy recliner somewhere in the Vale of Paradise known as Valparaiso, Indiana. Hey, sports fans, welcome to the Fan Man Podcast. You can catch the Fan Man Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and most other platforms. And uh, we are uh, going to talk about that great Super Bowl we had last weekend. And I wanted to get it in here because we covered all of the games, all the playoff rounds, the wild card rounds, divisional rounds, the conference rounds, and the Super Bowl here right now. So can't wait for this. I'm excited. We're going to go through... What brought Cincinnati to the Rams? How did they got to the Super Bowl? Who they beat along the way? And what, what some of the strengths that they had along the way to get to the Super Bowl? And uh, again, we'll talk about the Super Bowl. Man, we'll have some little anecdotes, stories, and, and different things that happen along the way there. So uh, check this out. Stay on here. It's going to be a great show. If you want to go back and look at our podcasts, you can see that we talked about all of the playoff games. We didn't miss one, I don't think. And all along the way with me was uh, my man... Chad, never tell a lie, Lincoln. How you doing, Chad? Doing great, Bill. Had a great Super Bowl for the first time in a while. I mean, yeah, the games have been, but this one really kept your attention because you didn't know who was going to come out with the win. Was it going to be Matt Stafford or was it going to be Joe Burrow? What story were you going to work with? Yeah, and it seemed like, you know, at least the last couple of games, putting aside the Arizona game with the Rams, it seemed like the Rams started out a little slow with the San Francisco game for the uh, NFC Championship and the, and maybe you can even say the Tampa Bay game to some extent and the Super Bowl. But really what took over was the defense in the second half for the Rams almost all the way through, right? I would agree with that. And I think in some ways, too, with what you're saying with how they started a little slow in each of the games leading up to it, yeah. I think some of that was seeing what the other teams were going to do so that they knew what kind of pace to set after they got the first possession so that they knew what to be looking for what they were going to be playing for in terms of like are they going to be passing more are they going to be running more who's, who's the player we have to stay away from the most and uh they kind of went from there after they saw the first possession and knew what to do from there they did just in game instead of waiting until halftime to say we got to make these adjustments because we're down 14 right. or whatever the case like yeah and it, and it also seemed like, you know, the defense with Aaron Donald and Von Miller and the rest of the gang there, it was sort of like, hey, you know, it's really time for us to step it up. And they did at crunch time, you know, along with Matt Stafford, he stepped it up in crunch time too. even, you know, had a couple picks in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, you can say one was in the end zone. I didn't really have a problem with that. The other one, maybe the guy, maybe that tight end could have caught that one. So, you know, but. He didn't. He you know he he got it done when he count, counted at that long drive at the end of the game, which we're going to talk about soon, right? Exactly. I mean, whatever situations happened, he found ways to counter it, make it better in their book, rather yeah. than uh, just moping around going, "Why didn't we get this done? Why didn't we get that done?" Yep. He just say, "Okay, thing we need to do. Let's go do it," and let's, they did it. Let's go do so it. Like, That's right. Like, yep. Okay, so before uh, we we talk about the Super Bowl, let's talk about. What got both the uh, Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams to the Super Bowl? And it all started, the trek all started at Wild Card Weekend. And we'll talk first about um, the game between the um, Cincinnati Bengals 
and the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. And it was Cincinnati 26, uh, Las Vegas uh, 19 in that game. And, um, you know, it was really Derek Carr had a chance right at the end of that game. I mean, had a chance, uh, you know, on that final drive. But um, the Cincinnati's defense uh, hung in there and were able to stop Vegas and preventing them, you know, from scoring a touchdown at the end, which would could have been a pretty tricky for them. It would have tied the game. Um, and uh, they ended up losing 26-19, to 19, and Cincinnati moved on. So, Chad, at that point, though, I wasn't feeling like Cincinnati was on their way to the Super Bowl. What, what was your feeling after that Vegas game? I thought it was basically the Bengals did what they were supposed to do that game, and that was just go in and win because they were the team that really had the way to get it done. And then all of a sudden, you know, they, they come out, they win like they're supposed to. And everybody's thinking, so can they keep doing it that way? And we're just all answering the questions because the next step they had was Tennessee, and Tennessee was stopping everybody this year. So, yeah, yep. In that game, Joe Burrow was 24 for 34, 244 yards, two touchdowns. Joe Mixon, 17 carries for 48 yards, and Jamar Chase, nine receptions for 116 yards uh, for Cincinnati. And, um, not much scoring in the second half of that game. And basically, I thought Cincinnati hung on there and uh, ended up winning, obviously, 26-19. to And then they move on to the next round, right? Yep. Yep. They did. Yep. Okay, so let's talk about the Rams on Wild Card Weekend. And this Ram game was just something else here. The Rams 34, the Arizona Cardinals 11. And the signature moment, I thought, in this game was when uh, – Kyler Murray threw that interception in the end zone that resulted in the touchdown for the Rams. And at that point, you knew that, man, Arizona was finished, right? Yeah, I mean, once he couldn't get things going in the direction that he's used to it going in, he just kind of shut himself down. It wasn't right. even so much the Rams that shut down Kyler Murray in the Arizona offense. It was Kyler Murray that shut himself down, and the Arizona offense came along with it. Yeah. So and self-destruction than it was defense. And now we're hearing all these stories about Kyle Murray, huh? That he's difficult to get along with. He might be getting that way because he started to get a bit of an ego about himself, being that he was a Heisman Trophy winner, leading this Arizona team so well in his first couple years in the league. So he kind of gets that ego that he can do it all and nobody's going to be able to stop him, and then he gets stopped. Right, right. Yep, the Rams were up 21 to nothing at the half. And uh, the Rams coasted the rest of the way in the second half. Matt Stafford didn't have to do too much. He was 13 for 17. That's all only through 17 balls for 202 yards and two touchdowns. Sony Michelle had 58 yards rushing and good old Cooper Cup, five receptions for 81 yards and a touchdown uh, for the Rams. And um, really, that was really the only, the only real kind of soury game, I suppose, right, of wildcard weekend. And maybe the Kansas City-Pittsburgh game wasn't great. Uh, but the rest, and then, well, yeah, Tampa Bay and Philly wasn't great. I guess it was the following weekend where things really tightened up, right? Yeah, the wildcard games were just kind of ho-hum for the most part. Uh, you really only had the one close game. Because even Buffalo and uh, New England was a sleeper. So right. To have Cincinnati opening up with a good game and then everything else kind of feeling as though it's well, is the game over yet? Even the 49ers-Cowboys, it was kind of over, but you just waited for the yeah. 
for the triple zero to be on the clock, but otherwise, none of the games are really all that exciting. It, yep. Okay. For weekend. Yeah, let's do this. Let's let's have some fun here, and we didn't plan this or anything. We're going to go impromptu here. I'm going to give you the game and the score, and just give me a one-liner from the game. You ready? Sure. Buffalo, this is Wild Card Weekend. Buffalo, well, let's start out with the Vegas-Cincinnati game. Cincinnati 26, Vegas 19. Who day? I mean, that's just a game that, you didn't expect them to win it, and then they did. Right, right, right. Okay, here's another one. One-liner on Buffalo, 47, New England, 17. Where was Tom Brady? <laughs> I was going to say Brady wasn't in town, so we're on the same on that one. Next one, Tampa Bay, 31, Philadelphia, 15. Quarterback? Anybody? Yep. That's right. I was going to say Tom Brady versus Jalen Hurst. Jalen Hurts is a mismatch. So, next one. Oh, man. Dallas was the only team, home team to lose on Wild Card Weekend. San Francisco, 23, Dallas, 17. Jerry's crying. Who's got, who's got the Kleenex? Yeah. I was going to say... Quarterback draw, what were you thinking? Um, Kansas City, 42. Pittsburgh, 21. Big Ben's last game. Right. Bye-bye, Ben, right? Los Angeles Rams, 34. Arizona, 11. Another home win for the Rams. Right. I'll say... um, Kyler Murray, where were you? All right. Okay, so let's go to the next round. And Cincinnati is now playing Tennessee in Tennessee, right? So this is Tennessee, uh, which, you know, had the number one seed, right? Yeah, they were the team that everybody was projecting to be in there if they could get past the Chiefs. Also, if they can get past the play of Ryan Tannenhill, right? Yeah. So the final score in this one was Cincinnati 19, Tennessee 16. And Chad, what happened there in this one here? This Was this bad on Tennessee or good on Cincinnati? It was more bad on Tennessee because they just couldn't manage the clock. Yeah. I mean, Tannehill was doing everything possible, but time was just not on his side. Right. Right. I would agree with that. Joe Burrow, 28 for 37, 348 yards. Joe Mixon, 14 carries, 54 yards and a touchdown. And Jamar Chase, five receptions for 109 yards. And McPherson's field goal, as time expires, lifts the Bengals past uh, the Titans, 19 and 16. And this is where uh, McPherson really got made his name, huh? Yeah, this is where we kind of started to get the uh, hero worship of Evan McPherson and Cincinnati is they just wait to see what his foot was going to do. Right. Was he going to make it or not? And he had a long field goal streak going this playoff series, as we'll see. Yep. That's right. And then we uh, had the Rams going to Tampa. And, and the question there is, you know, can the Rams knock off Tom Brady, can, Super Bowl champions of last year in the playoffs, right? And the Rams are up 20 to 3 at the half. And. 
things got crazy. You know, Tampa Bay scored 24 points in that second half. And it was really just miscue after miscue in the second half from the Rams. And I thought the Rams were just going to give this game away, huh? Yeah, I mean, the, they. I don't know if they just got content when the second half started, the fact they were ahead so so much and figuring we're going to destroy the reigning Super Bowl champions and run away with this. And everybody's going to be talking about the fact that we just basically ended Tom Brady's career with a blowout. Right, that's right. And um, the Rams, you know, end up winning thirty to twenty-seven at the end on a, on a Gay's thirty-yard field goal. Um, and this was a fantastic weekend. You know, we'll talk about those other games too in a minute. But what a great weekend! Another field goal wins a, a football game here. Matt Stafford, twenty-eight for thirty-eight, three hundred and sixty-six yards, two touchdowns. Cam Akers, twenty-four attempts rushing, forty-eight yards, and Cooper Cup, nine receptions for. 183 yards and Tom Brady threw 54 passes in this game um what was awesome for the Rams in this game was that you know how the Rams got themselves right into field goal range at the end of that game yeah I mean they did everything they needed to to get themselves into into uh position for Matt right yeah Matt Gay to be able to hit that right and some great clock management to get down the field and get in position at the end there to have enough time to get gay on the field to kick that field goal and to win the game. And, and as we sit here today, that might have been uh, Tom Brady's last number, 30 for 54, 329 yards and a touchdown for Tom Brady. We may never see him again, right? I'm kind of hoping at this point we don't, only because of the <laughs> fact that whatever can get them next may not have anything for him to throw to or they're going to just be throwing money around. They're like, well, we have the possibility of getting this. What do we need to do? And they get rid of all, all the wrong pieces, whether right. it's in trades or just releasing them because of the money. Yep. Because he's going to become a money issuer if he was to come back and go anywhere. He's not going to take a discount. No. No, he's not going to take a discount. We'll see. I, I don't think we're going to see him anymore. I don't I don't think we are. I know today on ESPN, they were starting to trying to start drumming some stuff up. Jeremy Schapp was on there. You know, talking about, you know, maybe he's still going to play a little bit there. But I don't see it. I think he's done. I think he's the kind of guy that, you know, when he says he's done, he's done. Yeah, I mean, he gave us, what, 22 good years of football? Yeah. It's not like we were, we were expecting him to pull, like, a Joe Namath or a Joe Montana kind of thing and go somewhere else, right. finish out his career, maybe get to another bowl. Yeah. Because he doesn't need to. That's right. He cemented, he cemented his Hall of Fame status. Yep. A long time ago. I mean, when you got more rings than any te- one team by yourself, what are you what are you playing for? Yeah. Other than more money. Yeah. And you know, I mean, we've seen him. You know, you, you, we've seen him. You know, try to run, and it's difficult for him. And he's starting to get hit more, right? I mean, you can see. You know, if he here's the thing, right? We've all seen these athletes that are old. And just at some point you start feeling, you know, Willie Mays played forever. And I started to feel bad for him as a little kid watching him play at such a, you know, an old age. (laughs) At some point, you know, it kind of like takes the shine off your great career if you get to the point where like everybody knows you're just hanging in there by a thread. So I know he doesn't want to do that. And there's absolutely no way that Tom Brady's ever going to play for a team that's not competitive. Exactly. I mean, he's going to have 
the right pieces there already or knowing that they're going to spend the money to get the pieces. Yeah. Otherwise, he's not going to go. And I think so many teams right now, because they're still all trying to recover from the 2020 season where they were making no money because of COVID, or not the 2020, but the 2021 season, where they right. didn't make any, that much money either. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like they're, they're all being responsible about how much money they want to spend, even though they do have players that need it. Yep. Because of the fact they've, they've shown they, they are worthy of it. Yep. All right, so let's... You know, let's talk about some of the other games that we had, and they were great games at the divisional round. This is the weekend where everybody was like, wow, this might have been the greatest divisional round weekend of all time. And I'm going to ask you again to throw a one-liner in there. San Francisco 13, Green Bay 10. Aaron Rodgers, what were you thinking? Did you show up? Right. Aaron Rodgers. I think Robbie Gold owned you. That's right. All that glitters is gold. His field goal on the final play won the game 13-10, to 10, right? Yes. Yeah, this was a game... I mean, it was cold. I mean, it was really cold, right, during the game. Yeah. It was 7 nothing Green Bay at the half, and then it was 7-3 to three Green Bay after three quarters. And then Jimmy G, you know, didn't really do much... I mean, his numbers, He's a, it was 11 for 19 for 131 yards... But uh, Debo Samuel was the guy that ends up really being the big guy here with George Kittle there, huh? Yeah, I mean, the 49ers were missing pieces in terms of the players just were not there in in terms of mental capacity to play. But they were all just kind of going with the motion and saying, hey, what do we do? How can we get into this? What What are we doing wrong? But none of them seem to have the answer of, I just need to get my butt in gear and play football. Right. They just kind of relied on somebody else to do it. And that's when Samuel had to step up step up and do it all for himself. That's right. And then the last game was just unbelievable. Kansas City 42, Buffalo 36, Chad. And what's your one line from that game? Why didn't we win the toss and take the ball? Right. Yeah. So now, because of this game, we have overtime controversy, right? Yeah, this this was the one that really made everybody think we need to change the overtime rules in football. Yeah, and for the playoffs, I agree they do need to change where it's either you each team gets a possession, or you just play like a ten minute quarter, and it's not sudden death, but it's yeah. a ten minute quarter, and and play it out. Yeah, because of the fact that it's the playoffs, you you don't. To a playoff on a on a sudden death situation like that, how no. you can get away with it because you've got more than one game that you're playing. But in this case, you only have the one game. Sudden death is not fair to that other team. I mean, the other thought you could have is, yeah, you guys had four quarters to win it outright. What did you do wrong then? Why are you Why are you complaining about the fact you couldn't get another possession in overtime? Yeah. The valid reason would be we didn't get another possession because the other team scored. And that's what sudden death is. The yep. first team to score in the fifth. But in this case, now that we're into a situation where everybody wants everything to be fair, you know, it's how do you change the rules so that both teams get a possession? Right. And have it be a situation where you're spending so much time on the field because after 10 minutes, nobody scored. And here we go again. It's like, now what do we do? Just do two-point conversions until somebody wins or... Do we kick field goals until the kicker's leg falls off? Yeah, yeah. What I think is 
really funny a lot of times with this is, you know, it's easy to say, hey, the first team that gets the ball has this huge advantage, right? But think about what a huge advantage it is, though, if the defense stops the offense, like, on a three and out or maybe give them one first down, you know, and just gets the ball back because now they're in a position a lot of times where all they have to do is go, I don't know, 30 yards, 35 yards, and you line up for a field goal to win the game, and the other team doesn't get the ball back anymore, right? So it's kind of a funny thing. After the game is over, it's easy to say, wow, you know, it's not fair the other team didn't get the ball. But I really think if the defense holds, it's a huge advantage for them having to punt a football way back, you know, back in their own end and now the and now the other team gets the ball maybe at midfield and now you just need you know if you have a guy like McPherson or somebody or a long a guy with a long foot you don't have very far to go to win that game so the, you know the pendulum can swing both ways i think the real disadvantage is is when it depends on the game right so if your defense is on the field for a long time when the game ends and then the other team gets the ball and your defense has to go back out again I think that's when it's really tough. So it's kind of situational a little bit for me. But I think if your defense was able to rest a little bit and now they're back out there on defense, all it takes is a three and out or maybe you just give up one first down and now you're in position where, hey, man, all we need is about 35 yards and now we just all we need is a field goal and the other team will never get the ball again. So, you know, it's it's kind of a weird thing, isn't it? The whole The whole, I mean, the overtime thing's messed up, right? We've talked. It is, in most cases, the mindset is at this point, just get him in the field goal range. Yeah. As long as you can get him in the field goal range, we won the game. You're taking the defense out of it as long as you're getting that close. Because most of the time, the defense is thinking just keep them from the end zone. Right. But now you're going to see more teams thinking, okay, we go into overtime. Here's what we have to do. Yeah. Let them start 20 or 25, whatever the case is. But we need to keep them on their side of the 30-yard line so that we can stop them, maybe get the ball on that side of the field, and we can win because of the fact that they're going to be so dejected and realize they only have about 25 yards to defend compared to having to defend 75 yards, you know, which we had to do. Yeah. You know, so yeah. change the mindset of the defense quite a bit instead of just saying, well, let them get to about 50 and then we'll see what goes on from there. It's like, no, stop them now because... If we can get the ball, yeah, they're going to punt, but they're going to give us a shorter field because if we stop them at the 25, that ball is not going 70, 80 yards on a punt in most cases. Yeah, I can tell you this. If they had this overtime rule for the (laughs) – okay, here we go. If they had this overtime rule back in 1985 during the Bears – with that Bears defense that they had back when they won the Super Bowl in 85, there'd be absolutely no way – Buddy Ryan or anybody else on that, or Mike Dick or anybody else on the sideline would say, we'll take the ball. No, they would want that defense of the Bears on the field and probably end up getting a turnover and maybe even scoring their own touchdown on defense before the other team would score. Exactly. That's, that's why you see a lot of the teams that when they win the opening coin toss, they don't take the ball. They defer it to the second half because they want to be able to come out of the locker room going, what do we need to do? to adjust since we had the ball first. Yeah. Well, in this case, you want to go on defense first because you want to see what the other team's going to do, but you also may want to consider taking the ball so that you kind of put the pressure on them both to stop you from scoring, but also if they were given an opportunity, 
how are they going to come out ready to uh, either have to kick a field goal to tie it or what, what kind of pressure are they going to feel to get their six points to beat you? Yeah. Well, I think if I was a coach who had a lot of a lot of confidence in my defense, I would end up kicking that ball and saying, you know what, you do, dudes, you guys are not going to score a touchdown on us. You're not going 80 yards on us. We're going to stop you. We're going to make you punt on the 10-yard line, and we're going to get the ball at midfield, and we're going to run the ball, throw a couple passes, and kick a field goal and win the game. But, you know, it is what it is. So we'll see. We'll see what the NFL does, right? I'm already on record with my opinion. I won't go through it again on this podcast because <laughs> it'll take forever to go through that one again. But all right. So in one weekend, we had Tom Brady, we had Aaron Rodgers, and we had Jared Allen, right? All. Josh Allen. Oh, Josh Allen. Jared Allen. Yeah. Josh Allen, <laughs> all, all sitting at home for the rest of the playoffs, right? Yep. And I guess Ryan Tannehill was in good company then because he lost too. So he could say, hey, I wasn't the only one that lost. Aaron Rodgers lost, Tom Brady lost, and Allen lost. Exactly. I mean, it was like the aged veterans all lost and then the one newbie and everybody else was still there. That's right. That's right. Joe Burrow and, and this thing right now, the momentum on Joe Burrow just keeps on building. And now we're going to say, well, let's see how good Joe Burrow is because now he's in the conference championship game going to Arrowhead Stadium and playing against Patrick Mahomes who has been in the last two Super Bowls, right? Yeah. And can he do it? Can Joe Burrow do it? And apparently he did. I mean, Cincinnati ended up winning this game 27-24 to once again in overtime. Uh, to, to clinch a trip to the Super Bowl. And uh, McPherson kicks the kick in overtime, wins it 27-24. to 24. Um, But, you know, Kansas City had their chance in this game, right? They did. And the biggest thing was the defense for the Bengals showed up and stopped them at key points. Right. And then overtime, when uh, the Bengals lost the kick, or the coin toss again, Joe Burrow's like, what the heck? How, are we ever going to win a coin toss? Right. But then the defense went out there and said, you know what, this is our game to win, and we're going to win it our way. And that was stopping uh, Patrick Mahomes. Right. And we saw that with the interception that ended up being the Bengals could get downfield far enough that McPherson could kick the ball on fourth down, and they win the game. Yeah. And who would have ever thought that Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City would have a total of three points scored in the second half of a, um, a conference championship game? Something well, else. especially a conference championship game, they jumped out to a 21-point lead. Right, that's right. Gave up. Yeah, yep. Joe Burrow, so it, yeah. In, in some ways, it wasn't so much Patrick Mahomes that lost that game. It was the entire team that lost that game. Because the defense gave up on a 21-point lead because they got content by the fact that every time they were up that much, they'd win bigger. The offense would show up and put up like a 42 spot. Yeah. This game, not so much. They got... They got determined, and the Bengals showed up and played defense and stopped the Bengals or the Chiefs from being able to do what they normally do. Yeah, and one of the things you know when you look at Jarek McKinnon's numbers, 12 attempts rushing for 65 yards, it doesn't sound that bad, but they were they were not really ever in a position to just sustain the runs like we've seen Kansas City, you know, allow you know Mahomes to open things up after the run if the run is working there, right? Yeah, I mean, they didn't really have to rely on the running game, but in part, part of the situation was in trying to catch up 
they did a bit more with the passing game so that they could keep the uh, Chiefs defense on their toes. Right. Because the running game would have been easier, but I think they were outside with Hilaire after a few plays into the second quarter, and then they had to rely on McKinnon to do a lot of work because everybody else was just getting getting tied up. Yeah, that's right. So Cincinnati, 27, Kansas City, 24. Joe Burrow, 23 for 38, 250, two touchdowns. Joe Mixon, 21 rushes for 88 yards. And T. Higgins, six receptions for 103. And um, you could hear a pin drop at Arrowhead Stadium after that game, right? Yeah, I mean, the Kansas City fans had been spoiled for two years. And then all of a sudden, it's their time to win it at home again. And they just got completely and utterly shocked, surprised. Right. And didn't know what to That's right. So Cincinnati is in the Super Bowl, and now they uh, get to watch who they're going to play in the Super Bowl. And I thought, wow, don't tell me Cincinnati's going to have their third Super Bowl against San Francisco. Not to be. The Rams 20, San Francisco 17 in the NFC Conference Championship game. Matt Stafford 31 for 45. 337 yards, two touchdowns. Cam Akers 13 carries for 48 yards. And Cooper Cup, 11 receptions for 142 yards and two touchdowns. Cooper Cup, you know, you talk about what he did in the Super Bowl, had a good game in the uh, NFC Championship game. But this was a game, and we talked about this in the in the beginning of the show, you know, San Francisco is up in this game, and the Rams' defense holds serve there in the second half, only allows San Francisco to score a seven points, and a big fourth quarter for the Rams put them in the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, I mean, the way that the first quarter was going, both teams were trying to get a feeling out process. And then the second quarter, the Rams go go uh, into the locker room down 10-7. They adjust to find out what it is that the 49ers might do that they need to pay attention to out of the previous two times they played each other. And all of a sudden, now we're looking at a 17-7 deficit there and going into the fourth quarter. The Rams put the gauntlet down and said, you know what, we got to win this game if we want to play here again in two weeks. Yeah, we went up in front of our home crowd, so to speak. Even though the, they were the road team in the Super Bowl, it's like we got to put the gauntlet in and, and play our game now, and preferably not go to overtime to do it. And they put it out there to, this game. And That's right. Kind of submitted Cooper Cup status as the MVP of this team. Yep, for sure. And Matt Stafford going to go to his first Super Bowl. Um, and the Rams, you know, right on the mark all the way through this. They, they, like I said, they, they just knew how to win games at the end there and got themselves into the Super Bowl against the Cincinnati Bengals. And finally, Chad, we're a half hour in. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl now. You ready? Let's make it happen. All right. So the Rams are Super Bowl champions. What number was it? Do we remember? I don't even know. The Roman numerals get me all cockeyed. I think it was 56. It was 56. Yeah. Uh, Rams 23, Cincinnati 20. And the funny thing going into, into this game, when we heard all about it, the combined age of both coaches was 74 years, which is the youngest matchup in any postseason game since 1936 when Ray Flattery and Curly Lambeau. Wow, where did I hear that name Lambeau before? Hmm. Maybe he was, maybe he had something to do with the Packers. We're a combined age of 71 years old, right? So here it is, two young coaches in the Super Bowl, and we know the NFL, you know, likes to run trends. So you think this is a trend, right? Because all we hear about are, no matter how, you know, 
how many times have we heard about, oh, the game has passed certain certain coaches by, right? So, I mean, the coaches are getting younger and younger, I think. And I think the trend is, Chad, that they will be getting younger and younger. What do you, what do you say about that? I see that, especially with the way that they're paying coaches nowadays. It's like, if we want to pay you, say, $25 million for total in your term of contract, we want you to be there for a while, not be somebody that's in their 50s or 60s that might be looking at this as their final job. You know, because it might be after a year or two in your, say, let's give you a five-year deal, you only win four games. Right. And you lose the two games. You know, then we got all this contract. We got to pay you to just sit around. Whereas other teams, if, it, if, it's, a, if it's a younger guy and uh, they get to the playoffs maybe a couple of times, but they don't win the Super Bowl after, say, that five years, they can either choose to re-up or say we want to go in a different direction. And it's not so much of a cost issue because of the fact they let the contract run out so they're not having to worry about buyouts like you yeah. know the older coaches right right okay so let's go to the game let's go to the first quarter uh matt stafford throws a 17-yard touchdown pass to odell beckham jr the rams are up seven to nothing it was beckham jr's seventh receiving touchdown with the rams including the playoffs and um the guy has, you know, really showed up ever since he uh, has gotten on the Rams, huh? I think it's because he realized he wasn't going to be the only thing on the Rams' offense that had that was going to do anything. That there was ways to to ball share instead of it just being, well, I'm the only name, and everybody else is just this crappy little kid that we got from the middle of nowhere, yeah. or the big name that's not ready to prove themselves yet. Right, right. And I think when Beckham, who we found out now has a torn ACL. When he went down and got injured later on in this game, it seemed like it took the Rams. Maybe it was, you know, a, it was kind of more of a psychological blow. I mean, I think it bothered them for a while, but then at the end they realized, hey, are we really going to, you know, lose the Super Bowl here? But there was this kind of thing where the Rams really had it. It took the Rams a little while to adjust, not having him on the field. I thought, huh? It did because it was a, an opportunity for the person that was going to be covering Ob or uh, Odell could now double-team Cooper Cup if they wanted to. Right. Or could could lay off the uh, defender, the receiver that was taking Odell's spot. Right. Because they figured he's not going to be as much of a danger as what Cooper Cup's going to be. And so they left him alone a little more and tried to double-team Cooper Cup, which didn't end up working out. Yeah, and, and give the Rams a lot of credit because they really were at a disadvantage losing Beckham because... You know their 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 depth wasn't fantastic because they lost Woods right at the beginning of the year, and that's why they got Beckham. And then Beckham goes down, so now they were in the same position. So they were outside of Cooper Cup. You know the wide receiving stuff there, made, you know Jefferson, but you know wasn't fantastic, right? No, and especially with going into this game, also they didn't have their starting tight end in TJ Higby. That's right. In, that's in right. The, uh, conference game. Yeah. That's right. That's a great point. Higby was out. So Rams seven, <clears throat> Bengals nothing. And then in the first quarter, Evan McPherson, they get him in position to kick a 29-yard field goal. And the Rams lead is now cut to seven to three. And that's it in the first quarter. So it's kind of like what I think we expected. And everybody, you know, a lot of knowledgeable sport uh, sports fans, football fans, kind of expected that we'd see like a seven to three first quarter. The teams would be feeling their way through this a little bit and that's what we saw right yeah i mean it was one of those games where you just kind of let the pace of the game play out because you knew the two teams were going to try to take things a little slower 
because if they took it too fast, either they wear out their offenses or their defenses would be going, um, can we get a little bit of a break here? We keep having to be in and out of the game so quick. And it's not right. because of three and outs, it's because you're getting downfield so quick. Because both of these teams could have been in and out of uh, possessions in two to three minutes easily. The way they were, they were going this season. Yep. Right, so we go to the second quarter, and then Matt Stafford threw, throws an 11-yard touchdown pass to Cooper Cup. Things went awry there, so they couldn't make that uh, make the points after that touchdown, and the Rams are up uh, 13 to three. At this point in the game, the Rams scored a touchdown on both of their red zone appearances, which is you know what you want if you're playing in the Super Bowl. So Rams 13 to three now in the second quarter, chat. So what's your mindset as you're watching this now at this point in the game? At this point, as a Rams fan, I'm thinking we now have momentum going in our favor, even though the blown field goal attempt or uh, extra point attempt didn't work out well because yeah. of the fact the holder couldn't keep the ball down. Right. So, um, he Tony Romo'd it, right? Sort of, yeah. <laughs> right. But in this case, he ended up uh, being able to help the team get back into it because of the fact that they now had this lead that gave them a little bit more momentum being up 10. Um, which, yeah, should have been 11, but they did the best they could. And then just trying to make sure that the defense did their job to keep them in, in control of what was going on. Right. So after that, it's 13-3, and this is the point in the game. Now, we've seen other playoff games, right, that the Bengals have had where, you know, it looked like they were out of it, but they came back strong. So now we've had a whole – we've basically had a second quarter now and a few minutes into the third quarter where, you know, the Rams were kind of like, what the heck's going on with the Rams here, right? So Joe Mixon passes, right? He's the running back, and he and he passes. You know, he throws a touchdown pass to T. Higgins for six yards, and now the Rams are up 13-10. to 10. Their lead just, you know, evaporated. That 13-3 to 3 just becomes 13-10 to 10 now. And now some of the momentum at this point has swung, and I'm starting to think, okay, we're going to have a football game now, huh? Yeah, I mean, the Rams were needing to be on their toes the entire game, and this one really put them on the tips of their toes, because any big mistake that Cincinnati could have uh, taken advantage of, they were going to do, especially with the way the Rams were trying to play the, we're going to win this in front of our supposed home crowd, even though it was a mix of everything. Yep. But, you know, being on your, your regular home field, even as a visiting team, um, it's just one of those cases where they had to stay on their toes because they knew that they'd hear the boo birds if right. they didn't. And they'd know which ones were booing at them. Right. It must be a surreal moment in a way for Joe Mixon. I mean, you're a running back your whole life, right? College, high school, college. And he and he ends up throwing a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl. Kind of a weird thing, huh? It would be kind of a weird thing, kind of like the whole uh, Super Bowl twenty when William Perry gets called up to do the uh, goal line touchdown there. Right. It really shows up to Peyton. Oh, but yeah. Like you get that every once in a while in the Super Bowl where something strange is going to happen. Uh, to either try to change the momentum or get something else going so that the other team's going to off, off of what they're going to plan for. Yep. And in this case, yeah, Joe Mixon throwing it, not a big deal because of the fact that it was not quite a, such a momentum changer that the Bengals took over the lead and scared the Rams from what they were doing. It was just it made the game a little closer. Yeah. And it, it, 
surprised both of us are like, wait a minute, a running back just threw that pass? And it was honestly kind of the most flawed, unfundamental pass in the world because he jumped in through it, which yep. is not something you'd want your, your thrower to be doing. But because of how short Mixon is compared to everybody that he was trying to look over, yeah, he had no... <laughs> right. Joe Mixon uh, has entered a, a short list here of non-quarterbacks that have thrown touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Him and there's only five other guys, I think, right? You got Trey Burton, Antoine Randall L., Lawrence McCutcheon, and Robert Newhouse. So uh, it's a short list of guys that have been able to do that. And uh, going back, I know you mentioned Walter Payton there with, with Refrigerator Perry. And to this day, I, I still remember that moment. And I thought, what is Mike Ditka doing here? He's, you know... Walter Payton, and if it's kind of funny, right? So if you're watching NFL, if you were to put a five-minute segment together about Walter Payton, you would have seen all those fantastic runs, everything he did in his whole career, and the last thing that you would have saw would have been him rumbling into the end zone uh, in that game in the Super Bowl and score a touchdown. So that's the one thing that you don't see in the highlights of Walter Payton, because they had to give the ball to the refrigerator. I think they just got caught up in the moment there, Ditka, with that. That was my thought all along. I don't think he did it intentionally. I think he just wasn't thinking. Yeah, I think he was looking at the fact that the score was what it was. So he's like, let's just do something a little fun, get somebody else the opportunity to touch the ball. But then whoever the offensive coordinator was didn't say, hey, Walter hasn't scored yet. Right, right. This would be his time to get it because it's on the one-yard line. Let's let him get it and be able to have that glory of scoring a touchdown in his only Super Bowl. Yeah. So it, it's one of those things that Dick has always said he's going to take the, to the grave with him. Right. That never got Walter the ball when he should have. The other thing I thought was so strange, and I don't think we've ever seen this since, when that game ended, we had the defense carrying Buddy Ryan off the field, and we had Dick on the other side celebrating, right? So... You saw the division there, and you knew just watching that that things were going to be, you know, not so great in the future there. When you just saw that complete, I mean, the thing was that defense was so great that it became like two teams. Like you had the offensive team and the defensive team, you know, and the defense was so strong. And Buddy Ryan was like, we all know what kind of personality he was. Wow, I mean, you just you couldn't you could, those two guys you just couldn't they just could not mesh together and then buddy ryan takes over the philadelphia eagles after that and has the advantage there of get, having reggie white you know aboard there too so um just kind of a whole interesting dynamic there but back to the super bowl half ends and it's um and it's 13 to 10 rams the rams were 47 and 1 when leading at the half under Sean McVay but you know what if somebody you know i didn't know that at the time but I'm thinking, well, it might be forty, it might be forty-seven and two, because I thought maybe Cincinnati, man, they're going to figure this out. And you know, I mean, I'm thinking Cincinnati's got the momentum going in the half, and we saw what happened early in the third quarter, right? Yeah, I mean, we we definitely saw that the the, uh, the Bengals came out with some momentum because of the fact that they had that touchdown they scored before the half ended. They ran with it, which a lot of teams, they just come out and go, let's just see what's going to happen this happen and react to it. They said, uh-uh, we're taking control. They're going to have to catch up to us. Yeah. 
right? And then we had Burrow's 75-yard touchdown pass to T. Higgins, and now 17 to 13, and people are, I think, a little bit stunned there. And, you know, this is the play where, you know, Jalen Ramsey was upset, huh, afterwards? Yeah. I mean, he got beat bad on it and didn't want to take take it out on himself so much. So he couldn't take it out on everybody else. Yeah, yeah. So it's 17 to 3. I'm sorry, 17 to 13. And adding insult to injury real quick. 10 points on t- in a span of 22 seconds. McPherson's 38-yard field goal. And Cincinnati now is up 20 to 13. And, and now everybody's thinking, oh, man, here comes, you know, the Bengals are really in a great position, right? Yeah, I mean, they, they had the Rams just floored as yeah. to how the, this game turned so quickly. Right, right. And I think that after that, but that shell-shocking of 10 points, I think that's when the defense kicked in for the Rams, and they said enough is enough. Uh, Matt Gay's 41-yard field goal in the third quarter cuts Cincinnati's lead to 20-16. to And I think, you know, then the defense takes over. The Bengals drop back, uh, drop back to pass 12 times in the third quarter. Burrow was sacked uh, five times on those. A single most, those five sacks are the single most uh, sacks in a quarter in Super Bowl history, right? Yeah, I, that was the point when the Rams finally said, you know what, we got to do something because of the fact we just gave up the lead. It's our, we need to turn this around and take it over. Right, right. And then, um, you know, and then we move on to the fourth quarter and this thing gets run down pretty much, you know, all the way to where we've got like one last drive here for the Rams, right? Uh-huh. Yep. And with 129 left, Stafford hits Cup for a one-yard touchdown. He beat Eli Apple in the corner of the end zone. And that's Rams 23, uh, the Bengals 20, you know, with about a minute to go in the game. Yeah, I mean, that whole drive, you were always, pretty much everybody was on the end of their seat. Yep. Wondering what was going to happen. Were the, the Bengals defense going to be able to keep it up or were the Rams going to do something? And both teams did a little something you didn't expect. Right. Especially when most of the game, the, the officials were just letting the teams play. Yeah. There were penalties that could have been called early on in the game that could have changed the, the momentum, could have changed the outcome, anything. But they sat and just let the guys play the game, which was great. It made the Super Bowl more watchable because yes. it wasn't every other, every other play, another set of five coming out for something stupid. Yep. Until this last drive in the fourth quarter. Then it was like everything the teams could do because the pressure was on to stop the Rams from scoring or to do whatever you can to get an opening to be able to score happened. Right. And the flags came out. Right. And there was a total of four uh, total flags thrown prior to the scoring uh, touchdown. And one of those, you know, there was a play in there where they called a pass interference on uh, Cincinnati. And I thought, wow. That was a bad call, right? So Cincinnati, you know, we didn't hear too much about it after the game, but that was a bad call down there. I forgot if it was Cup or another receiver, but uh, they called a pass interference, and that was a huge play because they ended up, you know, they ended up getting a first down and more more chances there for the Rams, right? Yeah, that one was the penalty that was on Cup, and Cup. everybody was like, "Oh, was that a penalty?" Because they thought it was just a good play on the defense. Yeah. But then they saw in the replay that, oh, yeah, his hand was kind of in the way. Mm, yeah. 
right. put them over a little bit. So it's like, okay, now it's a good call. But then it changed the momentum of things because the uh, the team now could say, here we are on the one yard line. Let's go get it. Yeah. And, you know, in the last, you know, the last play where they scored the touchdown with Cup, it was, it reminded me like, you know, when the Chicago Bulls were in the, were in the playoffs, you know, and, and they needed a shot to win the game. Everybody in the world knew that Jordan was going to take it. And actually in this game, and I'm not comparing Jordan's, uh, Jordan to Cooper Cup. It's just the idea that everybody in the stadium knew that that pass was going to Cooper Cup. And here I am, not on that play, but maybe a couple plays before then, I'm thinking, why don't they hand it off to Cam Akers, I was thinking, because that might he might have been able to walk in the end zone. There was that possibility, but I, I don't remember how many timeouts were left. There may not have been enough time to be able to do a run play. Yeah, I thought the Rams had three timeouts, I, I remember. I, I thought they still had a whole three timeouts, maybe. Or maybe they used one in that drive before that. Yeah, because you figure if you use that one timeout, and you might need them later when yeah. uh, you're trying to make that comeback, that... Uh, you're going to need that extra time out for whatever to stop the momentum. Right. But in this case, they just kind of said, you know what? We're in charge of the clock. They're just going to have to catch up to us if we give them time. Right. And I thought I thought McVeigh did a great job working that clock, too. And there was one play, and I really don't know the answer to this, but I, but it was the, it was the quarterback sneak from Stafford. He was like on the two-yard line. And the way I looked at that, it was almost like Stafford didn't like want to go in. It seemed like they wanted to just waste the time, make uh, Cincinnati waste the time out there. Do you remember that? Yeah, I mean that was that was probably a superb call, and the fact that you're trying to get the other team to use up their timeouts they might need later if they get the ball back. Yeah, it was. They're going to try to stop the clock three times, which in the long run, yeah, they might score, but that could give you time. So yeah. You, you got to play that chess match at the time clock and go, do you use the timeout now or do you hold it? Do you not worry about timeouts at all and just go for it? And in the long run, that's what the uh, Rams decided to do was keep those timeouts in the back pocket if they needed it for other things mm-hmm. so that if something happened, here they go. Yeah, and I thought that was great. And, and what they really did there, they figured we're in four, we have four downs to win the game. One of those four downs, I'm going to give up to make Cincinnati call a timeout, and that was just set up real nice for them because it worked out. So that's something you don't see a coach do all the time. You know, I mean, if you don't see that, you know, you, the coach usually a lot of the coaches to just see what's in front of them. They're not thinking one play, uh, one play after already. And, and certainly, uh, Sean McVay was doing that there. That was a 15 yard drive, and a lot of people forget that 15 plays on that last drive, um, and it was the longest go-ahead drive in the second half of Super Bowl history, according to Elias Sports Bureau. Um, so really, I mean, that it was 15 plays, and if you're there as, and it must have been, I mean, I can't tell you what must have been going through the minds, right? you know, I mean, that was a heartbreaking loss for the Bengals, let's face it. You know, you can say all these things afterwards, you know, we had a great season, Joe Burrow looks good, this, that, and the other thing. But the, one of the best things I heard about the game after it was over, Steve Young said, you know what? Dan Marino said the, all those same things after that, after he got to the Super Bowl when he was a young man, and he never got back. So 
you know, it, you just never know what happens in the NFL. And it's a shame. We all think that Joe Burrow's going to go back, right, and win a Super Bowl or maybe win two Super Bowls. But in this league, you know, you look around the league, there's, you know, a lot of great quarterbacks, a lot of great teams. It's a very competitive league. It's a 17-game season. You just never know if you're ever going to make it back, no matter who you are, right? Yeah, I mean, it could be that we're seeing Joe Burrow. Everybody's talking about him getting back there sometime. Could join in, in the long line as those like Dan Humphreys, yeah. Cam Newton. Right. And right. some of the more recent quarterbacks that haven't been back yet or never got back to the Yeah, Super Aaron Rodgers is still waiting to go back. Yeah. Even though he's won one. Right. But, I mean, it's a long – I think if Aaron Rodgers goes back and wins, it might be the longest gap between winning and losing a Super Bowl. Yeah. But, you know, we'll see what happens there. Cooper Cup had four receptions on that last drive for 39 yards and a 70-yard run on fourth and one. Oh, let's talk about that fourth and one play. Wow. That was a huge play, and what a fantastic call that was, huh? When it was fourth down, they did the jet sweep to Cooper Cup. And he was able to just, you know, he kind of did that cut in just in time there to pick up that first down. If he didn't get that, we would never would have had that final play. Exactly. I mean, that's one of those things that you look for the guy that you know is going to be confident that he can get it done. And in this case, Cooper Cup's been that way all season, and that's why he ended up being the offensive MVP in the NFL. And why yeah. he ended up being the MVP in this game as well. Right. When you needed him in a clutch moment, he was there. Yep. So let's talk about that last drive of the Bengals. You know, they get the ball back. There's not that much time, but they had a third and one, couldn't convert. A fourth and one, couldn't convert. The game was over. But I think somehow you got to pick up that first down. You know, I, I don't know. You got to, that's a tough, that's a tough way to lose on when you can't convert one yard on two plays at the end, huh? Well, and especially when your offensive line is going to stop a guy like Aaron Donald at a key moment. Yeah. Like fourth one so that you can make that clean pass they get you the first down and put timing back in your pocket so you can work with it right instead they throw that fourth and one in completion and it's take a knee yeah game over yeah so it's it's one of those types with one of those times where two plays the line didn't do their job yep i was thinking on third and one you do a delayed draw to joe mixon he might bust it for 20 yards and now you almost got mcpherson time well, and the other thought is, is he, he busts through that line in third and one. It may not necessarily be a 20-yarder. It may be he found the end zone. Right. But we're talking a whole different ball game now because you got uh, L.A. having to go the other side of the field to either get a field goal or to, uh, at this point, they would have basically had to get another touchdown. Right. Right. But on that last play, um, Burrow was sacked by Aaron Donald. Super Bowl record seven, um, seven times he was sacked in the game. Cooper Cup earned MVP honor despite you know often being double teamed after uh, Beckham goes down, and uh, Matt Stafford set the record for the most regular season losses by a starting quarterback before winning his first Super Bowl, and I was very happy for Matt Stafford. I, you know that's a great stat, and when you see a stat like that, man, you got to root for a guy, right? Yeah, I mean, you're talking to a quarterback that a couple of times he was look at, being looked at as the first guy to go 0-16 multiple times right. in the NFL. Right. And here he goes to a new team, and his first year there, even though a lot of the roster was bought so that they could win this year, he wins the Super Bowl. 
Right. So. Right. Back-to-back years where a home team wins the Super Bowl. We knew that going in. That was going to happen if the Rams won. Uh, Sean McVay becomes the youngest head coach to win a Super Bowl. And um, Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup connected for 22 touchdowns, including, you know, the playoff run here on their first season together. And, uh, man, what a combination that is. And that combination is going to be back. I mean, things are going to change a little bit with the Rams. And now they lost their uh, offensive coordinator, right? He's the coach of the the Vikings now. They not only lost Kevin O'Connell, but they also lost Andrew Whitworth, who retired after this game, who was one of their offensive linemen. They built the team around and bought this lineup that could help get him a ring before he left. Yeah. We're waiting to see what Eric Donald's going to do. So it might be that two players on their roster retired, but they got him a ring before they went. Yep, that's right. And I thought that was a sneaky kind of under-the-radar move there. You know, all these – you know, all we kept seeing was going on to all these coaches – Moving around for the openings, and at the end of at the end of it all, Minnesota, you know, the, here's the Bears. They go out and get a coach, but Minnesota gets the coach that was the offensive coordinator for the uh, Super Bowl champs. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of similarities there. Uh, I I really think there's some similarities there. You have Cousins, you've got uh, Delvin Cook, you got Thielen, right, and you got the kid from what's the kid from LSU, Jefferson. Yeah, the other that one will be Jefferson there. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, a lot of the offense, I mean, they've got some weapons over there, so look out for maybe Minnesota. Maybe Minnesota makes a move next year. They're going to have to do something because Dalvin Cook's had too many injury issues the last couple seasons, so you got to be careful about that. Meaning yeah. they probably need to either find another running back to go with him or they need to find some, some players on the offensive line that won't get hurt near as much as what their offensive line has the last couple of years. Right, right. Okay, time to pass out some trophies here, right? So Matt Stafford ties Tom Brady in 2020 for the most TDs in a season, including the playoffs, by a quarterback who won the Super Bowl. Both had 50, right? Matt Stafford. I'll tell you what, sometimes I think, right? Because back in the 70s, you had Archie Manning. Archie Manning was a great quarterback, but he played on a lousy New Orleans Saints team. And now when I look at Matt Stafford, I'm thinking, what this guy's career could have been if he wasn't on the Lions, huh? I mean, sometimes I wonder, you know, it because the guy's got a rifle of an arm. You give, I mean, when he was younger, he was able to move a little bit, right? He was able to move a little bit there. But you wonder sometimes if things just were a little bit different for Matt Stafford, uh, you know, maybe he'd have a couple more Super Bowls if he was on another team. That's very possible, but it's also a matter of would he have had the quality of uh, receivers mm-hmm. or line to benefit from that in yeah. another organization. Yeah, yeah. Um, this season, Cooper Cup, this is unreal, won the receiving triple crown, won Offensive Player of the Year, won Super Bowl MVP. Jerry Rice is the only wide receiver in NFL history to do all of those things in an entire career, and Cup did it in a single season. Wow, when is he? When is he? A, I don't. I don't know. I'm not going to ask you this, but when he's a free agent, he's going to get some cash, huh? He's going to get cash wherever he goes, whether yeah. he stays with the Rams or he goes somewhere else. But it's going to be a case where whatever team tries to get him is going to have to get rid of a lot of players to make the space for him in the salary cap. Right. Whatever they beat, they try to get him, especially if a new collective bargaining agreement comes up soon enough. That uh, money is going to become an issue. He's going to be asking for a lot. Yeah. 
Cooper Cup joins 1989 Joe Montana as the only players to win Offensive Player of the Year and the Super Bowl MVP in the same season. So, man, what a year for Cooper Cup. With their loss on Sunday to the Rams, the Bengals fall 0-3 in the Super Bowl, twice to San Francisco and now once to the Rams. So when they're playing somebody from California in the Super Bowl, it's not a good night. The only teams with worse records are the Bills, which lost four Super Bowls in a row with Jim Kelly, and that was they lose to the Giants, the first one, on a missed field goal by the Bills. Then Mark Rippian, for some reason, was able to blow them out and the, uh, blow them apart in the next Super Bowl. And then the Cowboys destroyed them. And then the Cowboys in the in the Cowboys uh, were down at half of that, that that last Super Bowl, but ended up winning that one too. So the Bills lost four Super Bowls in a row, which really is was something. And that was a that was a heck of a Bills team back then too, you know, to lose those Super to lose all those Super Bowls. Um, the Vikings lost four Super Bowls. Go ahead, Chad. And you, you look at those Bills teams from the early nineties. That was the type of team that had they won those four Super Bowls instead of losing all four. Yeah. They would have a dynasty that you talked about more than you talked about the Pittsburgh Steelers of the seventies. Absolutely. Or you talked about the Forty ers of the eighties, or some of the teams before that, because of the fact they won four in a row, and they won them in they would have won them in so many different ways because of the different pieces they had. Whether it was Thurman Thomas, it was Andre Reid, it was some of the other receivers right, they had, or right. other parts of the running game. Or the yep. defense just stepping up when they needed to. Yeah, Bruce Smith, Daryl Talley. Yep, they had a lot of mm-hmm. great players. Um, yeah, they had fifty for four years that had, they won that the Super Bowl each of those years. Yep. We would have talking about Jim Kelly as one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. Yeah, and the thing about the Bills too, they were dominant in their conference, the AFC. I mean, they were a dominant team back then. I mean, no, I don't. I'm not. I what. Well, was it against one of those? They had a comeback and a big comeback in one of the playoff runs. I think there. I don't know if it was in that year. It might have been the year after that. But um, well, it was the year that they played Houston Oilers and they were yeah. down like fifty-one to three. I think it was. And Frank Wright came in and won the game. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I think that might have been the fourth Super Bowl. Right. Because Frank Wright had to finish out the season. Yep. Well, I won't. I w- was not going to mention this, but Chad, but you left me an opening, so I've got. I've got to mention this. You mentioned the Bills. On the other hand, the Cowboys of that era won three Super Bowls in four years. Um, they they beat the Bills twice, and then they played the um, San Francisco 49ers. and it was um, Barry Switzer's first year there, and. They played the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship and ended up losing uh, to a great San Francisco 49er team with Steve Young and the rest of the crew there. We we can go on forever talking about the players on that team, but Deion Sanders was on San Francisco then. And um, so Jerry Jones says, what do I have to do to, to win three Super Bowls in four years? Well, maybe I need to get Deion Sanders. So he signs Deion Sanders. And now the Cowboys win three Super Bowls out of four years. And you got to remember the, the one year they didn't win, they went to the NFC Championship game, had some turnovers early in that game, ended up losing to San Francisco. San Francisco goes to the Super Bowl and destroys the uh, San Diego Chargers, destroys them. Mm-hmm. 
And then you look at Dallas and you thought, man, if they could have just got by San Francisco in that NFC Championship game, they would have won four in a row, which no one has ever done, you know, and, and that would have been an amazing feat there. And then, you know, we people talk about Troy Aikman, kind of a funny thing. Troy Aikman's got three Super Bowl champions, but uh, three Super Bowl wins. But, you know, you had Aikman, you had, you had Irvin, you had the offensive line, you had Charles Haley on defense, you had Deion Sanders. I mean, it was just fantastic team chat. Sorry to, sorry to get in all of that, but I had to say it. No, you're okay. <laughs> but you know what? You know, you talk about defenses, you talk about the 85 Bears, you know, you talk about dynasties of the 70s, you talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. You got to throw in Bill Walsh and the San Francisco 49ers in there. And of course, you got to you got to throw the Belichick stuff in there too, right? With with New England. So we've had dynasties over the years. I thought maybe the Chiefs were going to be the next dynasty, but you know, you can't you can't lose two big playoff games like they had back to back years now and be a dynasty, right? No, you really can't, especially when you have so many chances to get to the Super Bowl. And then the third time around, you get so cocky about it that you just, for whatever reason, don't play your football like you normally did. Plus, some of their kids, too, they had some injury issues. But give or take, who else did have a full uh, 100% roster that didn't have some issues in, in terms of injuries or anything like that? You know, you, you come in, you play the game, you do the things you're supposed to do to keep winning. Yeah. The Chiefs didn't do that, and their quarterback didn't grow from it. Yeah, yeah. And it's between this year that you saw a lot of exposure yeah. in uh, what uh, Patrick Mahomes could do. And uh, we won't go on a tangent here, but I want to mention something too. We are on the Chiefs there. Sometimes you, some, you know, sometimes you wonder. Sometimes <laughs> I shake my head sometimes with Andy Reid. You know. Um, what he did in Philadelphia, he did great things in Philadelphia there for a long time with Donovan McNabb. You know, they made it to the one Super Bowl where they lost to New England. Um, but a lot of great teams. And now you see here, they won that Super Bowl, you know, and I really thought San Francisco should have won that Super Bowl, but they ended up losing. And uh, Andy Reid got that Super Bowl ring. But kind of a funny thing. I mean, the guy has coached some great teams over the years. And you would have think you would have thought you know maybe more than one Super Bowl win with all those great teams he's had. Problem being, he didn't change things up so that everything wasn't so predictable yeah. one year to the next. Yeah. And that's what we saw with the uh, Chiefs is everything got exposed because they were doing the same things over and over and over. I, yeah, that's it, Chad. You got it. I mean, they really have. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's just like what you're going to see in Dallas pretty soon. With Mike McCarthy there, right? Teams are going to look and go, and uh, he did the same kind of things in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback and all these other pieces. He's doing the same thing with Dak Prescott and all these pieces. Yep. We know what he's going to do. Yep. We know how to win this game. Well, I think what's going to happen with Dallas is we may see McCarthy gone in the middle of the season, and um, we're going to have an interim head coach, and we're going to have Sean Payton there. Soon. Quite possible. Yep. Sean Payton's the guy that's got, I mean, Sean Payton, you know, I mean, he, he, you know, he was going to leave there. I mean, he was there a long time. He lost Drew Brees. He's going to sit out and he's going to kind of do what maybe Mike McCarthy did. Just relax a little bit, but he's going to, he's going to get offered some money there by the Cowboys and uh, we'll see what's going to happen. We'll see what's going to happen there. Yeah. I mean, 
the thing you might see in Dallas is like halfway through the season, McCarthy gets fired. They bring Kellen Moore down from the offensive coordinator seat in the booth to uh, coach the team. Yeah. Then once the season's over, here comes Sean Payton because he's going to get paid because it's Jerry Jones. Yeah. And Jerry Jones wants to make sure he gets back to the Super Bowl at least one more time before he has to give the team up because he just can't physically work it anymore. Right. And that was the worst thing he ever did. He should have hired when after Parcells left. You know, Payton was on the staff of the Cowboys, and he was right there. They could have just slid him over, and he could have been the head coach of the team. But Cowboys didn't go in that direction, and uh, I think they may have suffered because of it. So we'll we'll see. I mean, I, they're going to definitely be a different. I, I can say this right. They've had some coaches. They've had Garrett there a while. They got Mike McCarthy. It will definitely be a different team when Sean Payton is coaching them. And I really think it's just a matter of when. It's not a matter of if. So, uh, we'll, you know, as time goes here. But great show. We got our Super Bowl show in. And real quick, what do you think here? Do you think the Rams are coming back next year? Or is it to just... Depends on what happens there in Donald at this point. If he retires, then they're going to have to find somebody to replace him that can be at the same leadership level he was. Same with the offensive tackle position that, uh, that Andrew Whitworth was at. Finding somebody that can protect just as well as he did. Otherwise, we may not, may not see the Rams having the opportunities because their holes are going to get taken by by the defenses so that a guy like Cam Akers or Robert Woods or any of that can't get through. And right. they're not getting anywhere. And we end up seeing them lose the games that they could win last year or this year. Yep. They lose next year because of the fact that they got stopped so easily. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's going to be another interesting football season. It always is. I, I always say the NFL is great theater because you just never know what's going to happen, and that's the great thing about it. The NFL is also very unforgiving, and what I mean by that is it, it has a way of just a guy thinks he's great, fans think someone is so great, and they just fall apart. They can just fall apart right in front of you. The NFL is very unforgiving, and if you don't believe me, look at the season Justin Fields had. Exactly, and we'll we'll see what he's going to have this season, but I don't know that it's going to be too promising considering it's the first time head coach again and trying to get somebody that knows offense is going to be tough because of the fact that we hired a defense coach. Yep, yep. So that's just one of many questions that we can, you know, we can just talk about, I mean, if we had, <laughs> we can keep going with this, but we won't, but you can just go through the, every NFL team and just throw questions out there. Kyler Murray, what do we know about him next year? Where, where's Rodgers going? We don't know yet, right? There's going to be quarterback movements. There's going to be a lot of different things going on between uh, now and then. And I think this 17-game season has just made this whole thing, just stirs the pot a little bit longer here. So it'll be uh, it'll be great uh, to talk NFL football, but we're going to be moving into March Madness soon here, right? Yes, we will. Actually, we've almost basically started with having our uh, previews that we had out. Yeah. We just did a show recently going over our thoughts on who the 68 teams are going to be in this upcoming tournament. Yep. And we're going to keep doing it the next couple of weeks. I know there's at least two more weeks before the Selection Sunday is coming along and we're going to be going over who do we think is going to make it. Because in the first weekend in March, or the first week in March, we start getting teams getting into the tournament so we can narrow down who's getting in by those automatic bids from the one big that you taking their tournaments to the uh, next level and seeing who's going to get in for those extra spots from the big conferences. Right. 
and you don't want to miss college basketball this season, not only because it's going to be great, which it is, uh, it's going to be very competitive, the NCAA tournament. Nobody can really put their finger on who's going to win this thing. And not only that, but what's going on with Major League Baseball, this might be, Chad, this might be it to the end of the year. This might be the most competitive thing going on now until the end of the end of uh, 2022. So if you miss the NCAA tournament, you may not see competitiveness much. The NBA, you know, what, what can I tell you about the NBA? Sometimes game seven is the only game you need to watch in the NBA. And hockey, we don't know what's going on there in terms of like how competitive that's going to be at the end, which it normally is. The Stanley Cup playoffs are great. But the biggest thing on the horizon now is the NCAA tournament. And that might be the coup de grace after this playoff run for, the, for 2022 sports. So uh, don't miss it. And we will yeah, be, we'll be talking about it. Yeah, I mean, we're going to be talking about it as much as we can, but we're not going to have as near as much excitement until baseball is here. And even then, it's going to be a question of how many people are really going to care about it because of how long they've been gone. Right, for. right. That's right. Such a long long season. So, Chad, thanks again. Great show. And, um, and uh, looking forward to talk basketball with you on our, our podcast coming up on the Fan Man Podcast. We will do that soon. I'm watching some games now and looking forward to seeing what teams are going to be uh, racing my list this week. Right. There's going to be some changes. Yep, that's right. And we'll have an episode out on uh, no later than Wednesday of next week with our uh, updated uh, 68 teams. So, all right, Chad, take care. Have a good one. You too. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fan Man Podcast. You can catch the Fan Man Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and most other platforms. Check out our Twitter page at the underscore fan underscore man underscore and tell me what you think.